0: you have questions we have answers we're two southern moms on the backside of raising kids and we have some things to say we've lived life made mistakes and learned some lessons join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom
1: Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Playlock.
0: And I'm Brene Sproles.
1: And well, we're addressing a listener suggestion today, talking about privacy and introducing language about body parts to kiddos. So if this isn't where you are yet with your kiddos, you might want to wait to listen when they're not with you.
0: (laughs) Pause. It's going to be fun.
1: (laughs) So let's jump into some terms. I'm just curious because we started doing this outline. What's the difference between naked and nude?
0: Well, naked has a connotation of unprotected or vulnerable or maybe unadorned, like the naked truth.
1: Okay. And then nude, on the other hand, just means without clothes. So when you see the character Rose posing for Jack's painting in the Titanic, she was nude.
0: Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Yes. Artistic. Like artistic rendition the of the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're made in the image of God and all that. So if a bunch of party goers had burst into that moment, though, what? would have then she would have been naked yeah
1: because she's vulnerable it wasn't by choice it was this exposed
0: unexpected Ah! yeah Yeah. so well 100 percent of us come into this world naked and unless you're in a culture that's the rare minority we typically don't stay that way children may be the exception to the rule to that at least for a while they they're very uninhibited yep
1: they prefer to run around yeah, <laughs> with nothing on, my brother used to take his diaper off and run across the street.
0: Your brother—the so, stories we've heard on this show. Yeah, your poor mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in our house, there's so many nights when after bath time, somebody would run nude through the house, and we would yell, "Ah, streaker, streaker!" You know, or you're stripping them down in the backyard, washing them off with the hose full view of family and friends and neighbors and whoever's there. And oh, yeah. it's not a big deal.
0: We did the same kind of fun stuff. It was really fun. We yeah. we It was a game after bath time, dry them off, and then um, we'd do baby bear and mommy bear and chase. I don't know why we were bears. <laughs> Run into the house because bears are always naked, right? <laughs> and it was fun. We'd tackle them and get their jammies on. and It was just a lot of fun. And it, it's, it's pretty innocent. And it's, it maybe kind of harkens back just a little glimpse of how Adam and Eve were. In the garden they're, they're naked right, they're
1: children and unashamed They literally had just been made right they're
0: children mm-hmm. so mitchell chase wrote a book called short of glory that discusses the theology of clothing and i thought this is just an and it came this came into my inbox as we were preparing for this episode and i thought this is so timely it's just like god to to give a little touch point of information so he talks about clothing and shame. And when Adam and Eve realized their nakedness, they sewed loincloths to cover themselves. That's Genesis 3-7. Even though earlier, they were both naked and not ashamed. Genesis 2-25. Mm-hmm. So the provision of clothing makes the theological point that sin needs to be covered. And the liquid language about uncovering nakedness is typically connected to a wicked act.
1: Okay. But you're not saying necessarily that nakedness... A sin.
0: No, it's sort of, um, in Scripture, symbolic okay, for uncovering shame.
1: Something that has been done with the nakedness out of context. Right. So, like, okay. in
0: Genesis 9, like, Noah gets drunk and lays naked in his tent. So, one sin leads to another, yeah. really shameful, Genesis 9. Ham, Noah's son, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers. And then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on their shoulders, and walked backward To cover their father's nakedness. So the nakedness, the implication is the nakedness needed to be covered. Mm -hmm. That that was not okay. We're not in the garden anymore. And, you know, what Ham did was shameful. And he he could have just covered him right then and there instead of going to tell the brothers. We don't know the tone of voice he used, but Right, it's implied that it was not good, that he didn't go ahead and just cover him.
1: Uh, right, exactly. So clothing in that same line was also really important for Israel's priests. The high priest wore this quite lavish garments with beautifully threaded materials, which we see in Exodus 28 and 39. And God told Israel's mediators, and you shall not go up the steps to my altar so your nakedness be not exposed on it. That was very interesting to me. Um, So I was... T- Fleshing this out because I read that uh-huh. and was like, why? Why is this so important for the priests? But I believe it was because Canaanite worship did consist of sexual elements, including nakedness, which is why the Israelites were explicitly told to preserve modesty and propriety. They would wear these linen undergarments so that they weren't exposed, specifically to distinguish themselves from the pagan temples with temple prostitutes, where sex was a way to connect to the divine, Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, so we get we get the, the picture in the opening chapters of Scripture that modesty is fitting for life outside the garden. But that is different from culture to culture. Yes. What's considered modest and immodest. So I was reading in some cultures exposing the knee of a woman mm-hmm. is immodest. So they be- make sure their skirts cover their knees, but they don't wear a top. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's s- interesting that you say that because my husband was saying
1: in the church where he grew up, the loincloths that you referred to at the beginning, it was taught from the pulpit that the, those loincloths covered the Eve all the way down to her knee. I'm not really sure where that came from. <laughs> I was like, all right, really? I'd never heard that before. That's so that's so that is totally an example of our culture putting that. On, on top of scripture to say that now that when you come in church on Sunday, this is what you must look like.
0: I would love a book of the weird things you hear in church. All <laughs> the, all the worst sermon illustrations and the, the wrong teaching. Oh, that's terrible. I don't want a book of that. What was I thinking? <laughs> but it is, that is so odd. It's just, you're right. It's a very um, American sensibility, um, 1950s mm-hmm. sensibility. Okay. Okay. Um, to to think that Eve's loincloth covered her her knee.
1: <laughs> it's like Jane, Tarzan, and Jane. You know the yeah. movies, the old movies, the nineteen fifties movies yeah. with Jane. That's what she was wearing.
0: Yeah, and and lot there were a lot of online discussions, which I think my algorithms are now killed because I'm looking at <laughs> nudity, Google, and culture. But they were saying, you know, in cultures that wear very little clothing, the human body is not viewed as only sexual. You know the human body can be used in a sexual way, mm-hmm. and there are things in every culture that are um, sexually provocative. Correct. But um, because here in America we we are obsessed with sex, it just seems like that's immediately where we go when we're talking about clothing and modesty and the body, right. body parts.
1: Right. I've I know stories from missionaries coming back from places in Africa or whatever, where the women would go to church, pretty much topless. I mean, they're, they're nursing their babies. Yeah. This is what we do in our village. This is what we're going to do when we're out. Yeah. And yeah, the American missionaries visiting kind of freak out about that. They don't know where to look when they're preaching their sermons, but it's not the same culture.
0: Yeah. And I remember just being a college student in Europe, every single statue is Mm -hmm. the human form, Mm -hmm. mostly unclothed, Mm -hmm. if not totally, mostly unclothed. Then. And I, uh, over the months, as I just took that in week after week, it began to shift my own sensibility of the human form, right, and to see it as a thing of beauty designed by God, and not titillating
1: something for your yeah consumption yeah
0: yeah yeah something for your consumption exactly. So. So yeah, so in scripture, immodest situations are provocative in a negative sense. So it's helpful to just think real quick of Luke 8, the possessed man who had no clothes and not lived in a house, but among the tombs. And after he gets delivered from that demonic oppression and possession, the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So the Christian life is described again and again after um, Jesus comes as putting on new garments. Paul Mm -hmm. tells the Ephesians to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holy holiness. Um, And even clothing is a metaphor for our earthly bodies. So we're unceasing spiritual beings that are clothed with flesh and blood and bones for now. And when we die, We have a disembodied condition, and that's what Paul calls being naked or unclothed, 2 Corinthians 5.3. But we have a resurrection hope. Even though our bodies return to the dust, we will not be disembodied forever. We were made for embodied immortality in Christ. We long to be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Rising from the dead means getting dressed in everlasting bodily life. So, that's just good to, to ponder and think about when we start to go, okay, what does it mean to talk about body parts with our children, the human body, mm-hmm. and, and all the other things that you discuss as a child's growing up, puberty and sex, how babies are made, right? all it's, those kinds of things. It's
1: not just something that's uh, specifically in our culture and the way that we're viewing it. It's actually coming from somewhere pretty deep. From our origins, how we were made, what we are imaging, who we are imaging, and what we're destined for. Yes. Are we going to wear
0: clothes in heaven, Bonnie?
1: Mm, I don't think so. I I think we have different kinds of bodies, and we're just not going to need them.
0: I I had never thought of that question until this week, and we're (laughs) having this discussion. I'm like, maybe not. I don't think we will be sexualized. Well, there is no marriage in heaven. here, Right. And we're not. And that's where sex is reserved on this earth. Mm -hmm. Sex is reserved for marriage. So if there's no marrying or being married. And our job on earth is to be fruitful and multiply. I don't think that will be our same job there. I don't. I I guess that's a big question. It's just fun to to think about, though, because, because, yeah, because walking with God is always interesting. Yeah. It's always interesting. (laughs) And there's yet another question that I just go. I'm not sure, but it's gonna be cool to find out. Things that make you go. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yep, yep.
1: All so, right. Practical application. Yeah,
0: it's a practical application here. For your kiddos. How long can our kids bathe together? And when and how do you talk about private body parts? And how can parents address kids' curiosity in all these areas? All right. Well, you and I both had a boy and a girl. hmm Mine were three are hour- three years apart, and yours
1: uh, yep, same. Same. So for convenience, just because you have that frenetic time in your evening from like five to seven, you got to get things done. They had a bath together.
0: Yeah. Ours did too.
1: For quite a while. Um, Once the youngest was able to sit up safely and they could play, you know, it was a fun time. They had a good time. Yeah. If they were curious or had questions about the differences in their anatomy, we okay, girls are different than boys. They have a different way of going to the potty. That's all we would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did too. I always went with the most simple explanation and moved on from there. That's just, that's what we did. So it was like I like a don't normal
1: w- tone of voice, right? It was just, oh yeah, girls are different.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a normal tone of we'll voice. Boys have that and girls don't. I wanted them to always come to me first. So mm-hmm. I tried to, to act really normal. And I always felt like it was really normal really until they got a little bit older mm-hmm. but, and they started taking us at our word. And then they came to us with Real questions. <laughs> Real, and I was yes. thinking, you should be celebrating. This yeah. is exactly what you wanted. Um, act normal. Act yeah. normal. Normal tone of voice. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, definitely you want to, you don't want to be all hush-hush. You don't want to shame your kids for being curious. Um, You want to invite their curiosity. And I don't remember exactly when we started doing separate baths, but it was probably pretty early on.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm thinking maybe kindergarten age, when our oldest was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Then it just was kind of – and I don't know that she necessarily asked. It was just more of a, yeah, okay. Yeah. We need to have some separate time now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe if we ha- – like if I'd had two girls, that would have continued for what longer than that. Yeah. I, I don't know, but may- I, I would guess. Kids of the same gender, probably. Yeah. It probably yeah. wouldn't
1: be as much of a, a question arising sort of thing. And, and I don't know about your family, but we didn't – I mean, we did say, okay, to our son, hey, you're just like daddy. This is how you look like. And daddy looks the same. And to our daughter, you're mm-hmm. like mommy. Mommy looks the same. Um, but there wasn't any, like, comparing. Like, I didn't strip down
0: and show them all that. Right. No. <laughs> it was no. just –
1: Uh, an explanation and then we moved on
0: right us either us either so one school of thought if you have sibling bath time is to respect the most modest person likely the oldest but not always Uh, you just keep your radar up how are the kids perceiving or observing you or each other how are things changing but this is also assuming that the the most modest person has the vocabulary and the self-awareness and feels safe to speak up
1: yeah not all kids will say anything. You're just kind of looking for body language. Like where are their eyes landing? Are they, you know, are they wanting to touch certain things that they weren't wanting to touch before? Stuff uh-huh. like that. And and I think you should not, well, a kid with a, an autistic spectrum disorder might not necessarily communicate at all. Uh-huh. And you shouldn't put kids in a position that makes them uncomfortable first and then require them to ask for that to stop. So you're you as the parent are the monitor here. Yeah. Like, look for discomfort that may not be verbal. Yeah. Turning away, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to get covered up real quick afterwards, stuff like that.
0: So, you said that you grew up in a, in a, y'all were modest with your kids. Yeah. And, and, but my family
1: was too. We didn't see, I don't know that I ever saw my parents
0: naked. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Nor
1: no, did I really want to. I did to. not <laughs> seek that out. Um, uh, And I don't remember bathing when we had, Five siblings, I don't remember. Surely we did, but I don't remember taking baths with them or showers as Mm -hmm. we were older. Um, I personally hated changing at PE in school. I hated that. Um, But I'm not really sure where all that came from. I guess it was just sort of
0: the vibe. I think, yeah, and and it can be a preference, like a personality disposition preference. Um, Yeah, my family was... Modest, my mom. She's so classy. She wore the most beautiful nightgowns. Mm. She wore, you know, like the chiffon
1: with the robe and slippers and all the things. Yeah, yeah. She legit
0: came out with the robe (laughs) and slippers to make us breakfast: eggs and bacon and toast. Yeah, it doesn't it. I did not wear the chiffon. No, me neither. Nightgown and stuff with my kids. Uh, And once Emma was older, like her teenage years, and she wanted to talk, she come into the bathroom when I was getting ready in the morning. Mm -hmm. And as we've said many times on this podcast, when my kids are ready to talk, like everything stopped. Mm -hmm. So eventually it kind of happened. She'd just kind of bust in when I'm showering and I just let her. Mm -hmm. She'd just come in and talk. And so that was really different than my own family of origins vibe. Um, Houston didn't do that with David. I think girls tend to – sit around we did that in the dorm a lot there's a lot of states of undress kind of getting ready for while things. we're all getting yes, ready yes. yeah uh,
1: yeah that was probably true same true in our house too we didn't we you know if you're in the bathroom me and the doors closed we had a knocking policy so yeah. <laughs> we didn't just bargain that's things, just good but,
0: manners because you're gonna be with you know extended family at least probably friends you don't want people you don't want your kid busting in on people sure going to the bathroom right. you had a funny story about being at a hot springs tell, yeah, it, tell well, that story you are
1: traveling well so this is to show that cultures are different so we yeah. go to this hot springs and you're changing in the locker room afterwards and you know where I, were you uh i want to say somewhere in out west okay i don't know where um anyway so this entire busload of asian families are there as well and i go in the locker room to try to change and they're just out there just in various stages of undress. And I'm talking like 90 years old down to two. It didn't matter. Yes. And they did not care. It was, it. they did not care. And I'm trying to find a stall. Like, is there an open <laughs> stall? I need a towel. And they were like, whatever, man, like we're just here. I love it. Getting changed. I love
0: it. When we, when Emma and I went to Beijing, there were plenty of public restrooms for um, the women where there weren't even doors. Yeah. And, and you just see these awesome 90-year-old ladies pop a squat. <sighs> I'm like, you know what? America would be better off without toilet seats. <laughs> Look know. at your flexibility. <laughs>
1: crack a walnut with those thighs. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. So, yeah, one child's preference for privacy may be different from another one's, and that's totally fine. But, mm-hmm. like, I do know families who um, can, trying to be funny or whatever, uh, kind of laugh about that. Oh, come on. What's the matter with you? You know, why don't you just come over here with the rest of us? Why do you want to be such a silly? But don't do that. Mm-mm. You have to respect their privacy and, and what their boundaries are. Don't shame them for wanting to be more private or modest.
0: Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's all really good. It's kind of fun to to reminisce and think about how we did all this. I remember my kid, one of my kids, when they were potty training, start saying i need privacy i need privacy <laughs> close the door and i was like i think that's partly just ex- exerting some authority mm. they were like oh wait this can be my right i can call the shots on this that's one but also i was like yes i want you to feel that way uh-huh. i want you to feel that you are entitled to privacy and you can have it mm-hmm. in that context so let's let's talk about body parts Alrighty. um so, from a pretty young age, you talked about with your kids what were private parts. We did, too. Um, not private because they're bad or dirty or shameful, but private in the sense that we don't display them in public. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, we talk about it's okay for mommy and daddy. Right. Nana, papa, the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, to see those. But, um you, you know, not everybody. Not We're not going to run around the playground. Mm-mm. We're not going to,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not in general. Um, and and we would combine all of this, all of these sorts of conversations about what's okay, what's not okay, what's private, what's not, by constantly underlining that God made all of you,
0: mm-hmm. all of
1: you is beautiful, mm-hmm. and all of you is wonderful, but some parts are just not meant to be shared openly.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I think what we did when. About in terms of using correct terms, mm-hmm. is maybe different than what a lot of moms are doing now. I think it is too. Uh, I think a lot of moms, at least the mom friends that I have who are raising kids, use the correct biological term. Mm-hmm. We didn't say that right away.
1: We didn't either. Everything below the waist was basically your bottom, mm-hmm. your bottom area. And we just sort of generically lumped it all in there. And I'm talking like up to maybe two, three years old. Two or three years old, yep. And the reason for us that we did that was because toddlers repeat stuff. (laughs) And if they know, maybe you're not laughing at it, but if they know, if they say penis out in public, people are going to turn their heads. Well, how many more times do you think they're going to say that? Yeah. And I didn't want to fight that battle. I just
0: knew that's what they were going to do because it's funny. Right. But... That was 25 years ago ish. Mm -hmm. And if we were sex obsessed then in our nation, it is we are living in a porn saturated environment. Um, the TV commercials, yeah, um, the more like the more profane, the better in terms of marketing seems to be. Um, the the gist of where yeah. we're headed, the the cultural pull is uh, that way.
1: Sure, commercials even.
0: Oh, uh, commercials! Uh, I mean, food packaging,
1: Viagra, and y- dysfunctions, uh, 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 and all yeah. this stuff. You have your kids asking, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. You can't really avoid it if you've got
0: any yeah. input into your yeah. home. So, so you know, if what did <laughs> I wish I knew what the Christians did in ancient Rome when they were raising their children because. That was the world they were living in. Mm-hmm. They knew every kind of sexual perversion. It was not only celebrated; it was encouraged. It was expected as normal, mm-hmm. and they were. That's when the church was flourishing and exploding. And so, I, I just have to think: when you're living in that kind of environment, you don't have the luxury of delaying or just being general. Mm-hmm. You're, you're gonna need to be more proactive. Uh, so I'm not saying what we did was wrong. I think we did a pretty good job in this area, uh, in terms of just onboarding information. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's just a different model now
1: being, being open about mm-hmm. it. Right. Well, also there's, um, I mean, there's knowledge. I think moms would say, Oh, the more educated, the more, you know, the more you're prepared to deal with things, but also there's potential for abuse and, mm-hmm. um, situations and you want to have your kids know the vocabulary so it, they can explain something clearly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I hate to think um, about that, but I was thinking the correct terms started. We started teaching them those. Maybe they were five or six. Um, and where I thought they had the self control to not walk around and say those yeah. words all the time.
1: Right, right before school probably is mm-hmm. when we were talking about more yeah. concrete terms, yeah, actual vocabulary. <clears throat> but and and also people I think are talking about using correct terms. So their kids don't somehow associate those parts with things that we don't talk about. Yeah. You know, which I get. It shouldn't be shameful. It's not dirty. You yeah. can talk about those things, but maybe yeah. you can talk about them at home Well, mm-hmm. we don't talk about them in, with our friends necessarily right. or our grandparents or, right. you know, whatever. Right. Um, but I. the fact is that some body parts are different and set apart. In our society, in America, an ankle or an elbow is not the same. As a vagina and a penis, it's just not. We can show our ankles and elbows on the playground. The other, we can't. In fact, you can get arrested if you show that other on the playground. So you don't react the same if someone happens to touch your child's shoulder or her breast.
0: Yeah. So you're trying to strike an age-appropriate balance with these conversations at home. Um, What's appropriate to talk about in public? What can you talk about openly at home? This is just true for lots of topics. Sure. Um, So just add this into the mix um just staying positive about their bodies and sex the way it was intended. So also, as I said earlier, we'd only answer questions in the most simple of ways. If your two-year-old sees your pregnant belly and asks how the baby got in there, they're not really asking for one big download about the mechanics of sex. Right. And how it works. So they're curious. They might be satisfied with God put it there. Or, you know, if they're curious about more, you can dole out um, more bite-sized information that's age-appropriate. There's a great account called The Birds and the Bees on Instagram Mm -hmm. that talks about, talking about seeds and eggs in nature a lot.
1: Right. So you do that from the beginning.
0: You do that from the beginning, and you've got the groundwork laid for sperm and egg Mm -hmm. later on. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. So little young children, two, three, four up to school age sometimes it depends on the kid Mm really it really does are not morally or developmentally capable of digesting all the adult knowledge they don't need a picture in their head at two or three of the mechanics of sex they don't and we believe it's a parent's job to protect a child's innocence as long as possible which is a pretty huge herculean task Mm -hmm. in today's sexualized society
0: so ask God, in the, even in that moment, shoot an arrow up to the heavens and go, all right, Jesus, what do I need to say here? Mm. You've already you've already prepared. If you're listening to this, if you're studying, thinking, ask him, all right, what's the answer here? And just give us two second pause. Um, he'll be happy to answer.
1: All right. Also, another little trick is to just ask them why you're asking. Love that. Or repeat the question. Because sometimes you think as the parent oh here it is here's the birds and bees topic and they want me to lay it all on them and really they were just asking something completely unrelated <laughs> and you just download and now their eyes are like as big as plates <laughs> they're like what is happening
0: yeah yeah and then there's the kid who doesn't ask questions that was me i didn't i was not asking my parents i don't have any memory of ever asking my parents anything i um And the Birds and the Bees account on Instagram has a great little piece of advice to just use the phrase, have you ever wondered to Hmm. start a conversation? Have you ever wondered how the that baby got in Miss Sarah's tummy? Hmm. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then see what they say. And then do little, yeah, little bits of information Mm -hmm. like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Because you and I were talking about this before we started recording. There's two schools of thought on sharing information um, with your children. There's the school of thought of protecting their innocence as long as you can, which I think is kind of what we were brought up mm-hmm. to to do.
1: And I don't think those are relevant today either. It's just harder.
0: It's hard. And then um, there's the drip method. And if you think of a child's brain and curiosity about body parts and sex as a sponge. If you're trying to keep the sponge dry and just like holding your hand above it so no water drips on it, Mm -hmm. it'll probably stay dry. But when that little sponge goes out into the world to school or to a friend's house or gets exposed to a movie or Mm -hmm. um, what do dry sponges do? They soak pretty quickly, quickly (sighs) information, but a sponge that's already wet and full of liquid a lot of times extra dripping just rolls off. Mm -hmm. So you want to be the one drip, drip, dripping on your child's sponge. Um,
1: Right. With positivity and context Mm -hmm. and morality, (laughs) all of the basic Mm -hmm. foundational things. So there's a context for all of the things that they're going to absorb in the world. Mm -hmm. So they can, you know, if they see something accidentally, let's say on the internet, Oh, they immediately know. Oh, that's out of context. That's mm-hmm. not a, that's not a marriage situation. That's not someone being kind to the other
0: person Yeah, and they don't do it. You can even talk to your kids, you know, just, it's like gives you a funny feeling in the pit of your tummy. Yes. Like come talk to me. I, yeah. Want, yeah, I want to talk to you about it.
1: Right. Okay. How about this question? If you have a little boy and perhaps little girls too, but mostly little boys, My child won't keep his hands out of his pants. This is really, really common. You know how babies like at one point lie on their back and they lift their legs up and they find their toes? And then for like two weeks, it's nothing but where are my toes? I got to find my toes. This is so fun. Mm
0: -hmm. Toes in the mouth, toes in the air,
1: grabbing the toes. This is kind of like that, except maybe touching your ear or your elbow is socially acceptable, but walking around all day with your hands down your pants is not, at least in America we kind of frown on that. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's not, not okay. <laughs> and if you wait until school, that behavior is probably going to get peer pressured out because kids, other kids not doing that are going to make fun of them or bully them. Do you want that to happen?
0: And Do you want to give that to your child's teacher?
1: Yeah. Why, why wait to deal with it? Don't wait until then to curb it. So, so what do we do, Bonnie? If you find your child is doing this more and more. As we said at the beginning, it's a calm tone of voice. It's not a shaming tone of voice. It's not angry. You're just calm, like you're asking them to take their finger out of their nose. Focus on manners and germs. I think is the probably the most positive way to do it. So you're saying, "Keep your hands out of your pants, please." We want to keep our hands clean. That's where we go potty. Let's go wash.
0: Mm -hmm. Or our hands have lots of germs on them, and we want to be careful with our private parts. Or it's just that's not polite to touch your private parts in front of other people. Let's play with these cars instead. See, very non-shaming,
1: no big deal. Mm-hmm.
0: He's Redirect.
1: Not, yeah, redirect. So kids by nature are exploratory and their own bodies are going to be part of what they're going to explore, which is fine. We need to know our own bodies. There's nothing wrong or shameful about them. Some children can fixate on this though. And the sensations that they feel, even really young, they can be feeling things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's sexual, but it can lead to habits and some kids even use this hand down the pants thing as a way to self soothe i've talked to kindergarten teachers who or preschool teachers who repeatedly have to stop particular children from openly touching themselves at nap time or at other times in the classroom because it's been such a habit that's been allowed they can't go to sleep without it it's yeah. kind of like a become a pacifier for them
0: yeah so whatever you think about things that might be acceptable in private Anything that becomes a fixating habit in our lives is probably not good. So that's like nail biting, nose picking, hair twirling, food, alcohol, screen, substances. Some of us are more prone to addictive behaviors than others. So refer to our
1: episode on how to cultivate Mm self-control. We did our cultivate series. This is something that you can focus on in lots of different areas and ways during the day at home that your child can then apply here.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So be diligent and consistent about it. Don't just let it go
0: until school. Yeah. The, the quicker you address it, it's probably not even going to be a big deal. Yeah. Very, very likely that it won't. Well, what about company? Having guests in your house or going on vacation with friends? That's a good time to practice modesty.
1: Right. Like, it's a great, great training ground for that. You have to be knocking on doors. You don't want to walk in on your grandmother. Half-clothed. No, you don't. It's not going to go well. Uh, So you're talking about this at home before you go on vacation. Here's how the rules are going to work on vacation. We need to make sure that when the door is closed, you don't just walk in. We're going to keep our clothes on. And you might just address this if like all the cousins are there at once. Hey, everybody's going to keep their clothes on today. Nobody's taking their pants off. (laughs) I mean, it can be humorous. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So this might be a conversation you have in lots of contexts, not just family vacation. If your kid goes to someone else's house, I don't think I thought to address this. You know, we have a pool now. So there is a lot of changing clothes and mm-hmm. things you would maybe want to discuss. Hey, hop in the bathroom.
1: Right. Just To, to just put, to put your swimsuit on. Yeah. That's all you have to say. It's not yeah. like, we don't, we're not naked in front of other people. Just very calmly offer that option. Yeah. 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 Um, So, and when you're taking your child over to somebody else's house with a pool or whatever, you might say, hey, your house might be free and everyone runs around with no clothes on and that's what you do at your home. But that's not necessarily what goes on at somebody else's home. So you just have to, if you're doing sleepovers or play dates or whatever, it's just worth telling, mentioning to your kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Here's how we're going to act
0: when Mm -hmm. we're at somebody else's house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no memory of doing that. Well, I don't
1: either. I don't think it ever kind of came up to address it, but it might depending
0: on your kid. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Some kids don't like to stay dressed. So yeah, that brings us to the modesty topic. So modesty is not about being a prude or being repressed. It's not because we're ashamed of our bodies or ourselves, which is how culture wants to spin it, that any kind of modesty is, you just don't feel comfortable in your own skin. You're just, you're shaming me. No, it's a way to respect yourself, to honor yourself, and to honor other people. So scripture tells us our bodies are a holy temple and we're we're supposed to use them to honor God. That sex is a beautiful gift in the context of marriage. It's meant for our good. It's meant for our pleasure. It's meant to help fill the earth. Um, Our most private parts and the intended marital context for them are set apart as particularly precious. Refer to the the Levitical clothing rules mm-hmm. you know you know even before God he's he's like no you weren't you need yeah. to be covered when you come before me mm-hmm. and um if it weren't particularly precious rape and sexual abuse wouldn't have such lifelong devastating effects it would be no different than someone bumping your elbow kind of roughly right and, and we, we know, know that's not true that's not how it plays out
1: in your life it is
0: not how it plays out
1: right so it's kind of how God represents the ark in the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies. Only one high priest could go there, and that even with very limited access. I think it was once a year. But by contrast, our society would have us believe that if we look good, we should display it, flaunted. If you've got it,
0: yeah, that not only dishonors God's intent for us, it just degrades us as men and women. This is a tricky subject, okay? Because um, there are no like hard and fast cross cultural rules here. What's modest in one culture is not what's modest in another culture. We've already said that. So you've got to be culturally culturally sensitive mm-hmm. when you're discussing this with your child. Um, you just don't want them to become something for others to consume instead of so the precious, treasured, beautiful creations that they are.
1: Right. And these same conversations are things that go into that drip, 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 sponge that you're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. You're
1: You're constantly talking about that. So when you're Little girls twirling around with her pretty dress or she lifts her dress up over her head, which they all will do. It's not, and we tell them, put your dress down. You know, we're at church. It's not because that they're dirty or shameful. It's actually the opposite. They are so beautiful and precious and worthy that we don't want them scattering that before swine.
0: Yeah. Likewise with our boys. We teach them to act like gentlemen, not bullies. Their language should not constantly be about penises and poop. And God be with you if you have multiple boys, because <laughs> that is an uphill battle. It is a
1: fight. Yes. Uh,
0: but you can keep it classier than that. We teach them how to honor themselves and the women in their lives. I mean, honestly, having grown up with all boys around me, boy cousins and brothers, you know, just saying, that no, you got to keep that when it's all boys. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just not doing that around the around the girls. That's not appropriate.
1: Oh, that's, yeah. Was enough uh-huh.
0: to be like, yeah, just take it down a notch. Here in mixed company. Okay. Because uh, I get it. They love to talk about it. I don't
1: understand. I it, don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> yes. when does it
0: stop? 40, uh, 50, I, 60 I know years some old?
1: People that it just never, <laughs> it never stops being funny. I, but,
0: yeah. I know when we get together for family holidays, if my two brothers get together, I'm like, I'm out of here.
1: Right. We, Y'all
0: are so disgusting. This is
1: your talk on uh, gender and where men and women, how they differ and where they come from, that it's the women in society who typically have always. Yeah. Brought the behavior down yeah. to control. So without the women there, yeah. it's probably never going to
0: yeah. go and away. Yeah, women are the civilizing force in a society. Mm-hmm. Gail Collins, New York Times author, maybe even a editor. You know, she has no Christian agenda. Mm-hmm. She would just tell you, you know, that manners exist because women exist, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, if you but, have a house full of boys. You already know that. Yeah, and that, and and so. Fight the good fight, mama of boys. <laughs> That's right. I love, um, Rod Dreyer's just such a, a great cultural observer. Um, I found this article at the American Conservative, and I just wanted to read this little snippet of article from him. He said, Taking one's American children through museums poses certain challenges. You've taught your children to respect the ideal of modesty, and then there's statues and paintings of naked people everywhere. How do you explain that? He said, this is how we do it. We explain to them that the human body is beautiful and that the art they're seeing was created to explore the beauty of the human form. Sometimes people draw or phot- photograph the human body in a way meant to show its ugliness. He's talking about pornography, but his little ones don't have that concept yet. What a great way yeah, to lay the foundation for that. And that's what we turn away from and we reject. But the body itself is created by God, who said it was good. When we have true art, we are taught to think of the body as beautiful. I love that. The issue here is intent. What did the artist intend? What did God, the ultimate artist, intend for us to think and act with our own bodies? Right. So
1: when you get that funny feeling, you're not usually looking at Michelangelo's David and getting a funny feeling in your tummy. But when you look at a screen of something that's totally out of context and its intent is obviously... Um, not for your good you get that feeling mm-hmm. and t- teach your kids to recognize that and the difference in that yeah
0: so talk early with your kids and often be frequent and frank and drip 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 yeah on them I think the idea of the talk one big talk is kind of old school it's shelf life has expired (laughs) yeah i
1: think so too it's it's often it's frequent yeah and it's kind of consistent as long as they're growing up and under your house Mm -hmm. um so check out that birds and bees account on instagram it's really good thanks for our listener for pointing that out and for leading us to there um yeah i think this is a good conversation yeah You can let your kids back in the room now.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) So we'll have the um, resources we mentioned on here on our website as per usual, just askyourmom.com. And if you'd take five seconds to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us and share it with your friends, we'd love for you to do that. That's how um, we just expand our reach. and create this huge community of moms
1: across the U.S. and the world. Very fun. Keep sending in those topic suggestions to justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time on
0: Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.